It was born in Mullins Roof and I attend the Chaffer site. This morning's reading comes from Ephesians 1, 18-23. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him on his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Amen. Thank you very much for that Bible reading, Ruth. Uh, we're going to go into the Word right now, so let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you and bless you for this morning, Lord. Thank you for this opportunity that we have to go into your Word, Lord, continuing this series on scatter church and what it means to be a scattered church and how we can be effective as a scattered church, Lord. And I just pray, Father, that as we look into your Word this morning, that you'll speak to us, Lord. Uh, I pray that you will use me, Lord, to speak to your people, Lord, that the word will be a timely word, Lord, a word that will help us in our journey, Lord, to help, a word that will help us to become more like the people that you've called us to be. So, Father, we thank you and we bless you, King of kings and Lord of lords, in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah. So, this morning, we're going to be continuing our preaching series on scattered church. So, yeah, so these are the topics that we're going to be looking at over this series. Uh, we started last week looking at scattered servants. Um, today I'm going to be preaching on the second topic there, which is kingdom authority. And then we've got a number of topics. So it's going to take us nine weeks. I think we have a guest, a few, one or two guest services in between, but it's going to take us right up to Christmas. Now, last week, we started by looking at Acts chapter 8, um, the first eight verses there, looking at uh, what happened when the, when the church was persecuted and when the church scattered from Jerusalem, what happened and what was their response. You know, one thing that kind of struck me when these people left Jerusalem, when you see the likes of Philip and others leaving, was that if I, if, if, let's say if I were in their shoes and persecution came, I had to flee from Jerusalem, probably the, the last thing I would do would be to kind of look for people and continue to preach the gospel. You know, that's what got the church into trouble in the first place in Jerusalem, the fact that they would not stop preaching the gospel, they would not stop doing the things that God had called them to do. And so I would have just found somewhere quiet, somewhere safe, I would have lain low for a while, you know, prayed that the, kind, that, the, that the wave of persecution would move and then maybe I would have taken tentative steps, walked out and then started uh, maybe preaching again, sharing the gospel. But that was, what not, that was not what happened in the case of the church. 
In fact, we're told that, in, I think in verse 4, that as they were leaving Jerusalem, the people, they continued to preach the gospel. They continued to preach the word. Then it expands more with Philip. You know, when Philip got to Samaria, he proclaimed the Messiah to them. He performed signs and wonders. People were healed and great joy came into that city. And then later on, we see in that chapter, you know, Philip encounters this Ethiopian official. And again, he expands the word to him, shares with him the good news of the gospel. And this man gets baptized and we see that he rejoices. You know, two situations, Philip comes in doing what God has called him to do. And the story changes, joy comes in. And I just wondered that, what was it? Why would someone do the thing which had brought trouble in the first place? You know, Philip and Stephen were both deacons and Stephen had been martyred. But then why would Philip continue to do what had caused Philip to be martyred in the first place? And I just kind of was left with this sense that Philip did what he did because Philip understood who he was. He knew his identity. He understood his authority. And he didn't just stop there. He used that authority to change the story in Samaria and to change the story of the Ethiopian official. You know what? This is what took someone like Philip from a place where he'd been appointed as a deacon. You know, he was waiting on tables, distributing food to the widows, to when he left Jerusalem and came to Samaria, he changed the story of that place. The gospel was proclaimed, people were saved, and lives were transformed. You know, Philip walked in authority. And because he walked in authority, he brought a difference wherever he went. And I just feel that if we as God's people, if we the church are going to be effective when we're scattered, then we also need to understand the authority that we have. And not just understand it, we need to act on that authority. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. You know, what is this kingdom authority? How do we act in this authority? How can we make a difference? How can we change stories? How can we transform lives, transform our communities in the way that Philip and the other early Christians did in their time? So if we just go to our text, you know, the first thing that we kind of see and we recognize from our text is that the authority that we have is bound up in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, the text said that he exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens, far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion, and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. Now, I think that makes it very clear that Jesus is not just above every authority, but like it says there, he is far above every ruler and authority and power and dominion. Jesus is above every spiritual authority. He is above every human authority. Every authority that has ever existed, authorities that exist now and authorities that will still exist, Jesus, our Lord and Savior, is far above all authority. He is the supreme authority. And we need to understand that. No, we need to understand that the one who has brought us to salvation, the one we serve, he is the supreme authority. There is no authority greater than the authority of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And it doesn't just stop there. You know, Paul, as if to emphasize it, he said that Jesus is far above. And he says that everything, everything has been subjected under his feet by God our Father. 
So everything is under the feet of Christ. You know, there's nothing that even comes near him because he's far above everything and everything has been put to subjection under him. So that's very good. But then what does this mean to us as the church? Well, if we go on, you know, Paul says that he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. Christ is our head. He is the head of the church and we are his body. And that's a link that cannot be broken. Nothing can come in between that link because the head cannot be the head without a body. And likewise, a body cannot be a body without a head. The head needs the body. The body needs a head. And so we are the body of Christ. And then what it means then is that if we are the body of Christ, it means that his life is our life. And Paul puts that very clearly in Galatians 2 where he says that I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You know, we share in his life. We've been crucified with him. We share in his resurrection. We've been raised with him. Ephesians 2.6 says he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. And that means that we're, we share in his exaltation. We're exalted with him in those heavenly places. And what that means is that all those authorities that are subjected to Christ, all those authorities that he's far above, we, the church, are also far above those authorities. And all of those authorities are subject to the church. So we are in this wonderful position, this exalted position of being seated with Christ in that place of authority and sharing in his authority. And Philip understood that. The early church understood that. And we, the present day church, we need to understand that. That we have this wonderful authority that empowers us, enables us to do the things that God has called us to do. To walk the walk that Christ walked and make the difference that Christ made when he walked this earth. Now, I'm going to talk a bit about what it means to be the church. You know, Jesus is the one who called us the church. He says in Matthew 16, 18, that I will build my church. He calls us the church. And it's very interesting that that, church, that Greek word that from which church comes from, ecclesia. You know, ecclesia was the assembly of citizens in the democratic citizen states of ancient Greek. And this assembly was responsible for declaring war. They were responsible for military strategy, for appointing generals and other officials. They were responsible for nominating and electing judges. And they had the final say on the laws and the right to call judges to account after they had finished their time in office. You know, the ecclesia, that assembly, had influence and authority over the city. And it's no, it's, I don't think it's an accident that Christ calls us ecclesia. He calls us the church because he has called us to be a people who are set apart with influence and authority over our cities, over our communities, our families, our workplaces, our schools, everywhere we are, as the church, we have been called to have influence and authority in those places. You know, the thing is that without authority, the church is nothing more than a gathering. You know, and gatherings do not transform lives. Gatherings don't change communities. Gatherings don't change cities. What changes cities, what transforms lives, 
is authority. And you cannot separate authority from the church. If you take authority out of the church, then the church is no longer the church. So there's collective authority that we have as a church. But it goes further than that. Because as we heard last week, we are the church. Now the church is not just some abstract entity. We, the people, all of us, we are the church. So if the church has authority, if the church is seated in heavenly places and has this authority, it means that every believer has spiritual authority as the church. That's powerful. It means that I can do the things that Christ did. I can read the stories and acts of the apostles and I can make the same difference that people like Philip made. Why? Because as a believer, I have that spiritual authority. I have that kingdom authority. And we see Christ um, in Matthew chapter 10 when he sends out the 12 disciples. He says, summoning his 12 disciples, he gave them authority over the unclean spirits to drive them out, to heal every disease, every sickness. And in verse 7 he says, As you go, proclaim that the kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, drive out demons. Those are the things that Christ has called us to do. And in chapter 8 of Acts, those are the exact things that we see Philip doing, proclaiming the Messiah, um, doing signs and wonders, the lame, the paralyzed, being healed. Philip acting with authority. And the intention for Christ is to have a people capable of bringing in the kingdom and changing everywhere they go, bringing transformation wherever they go. And to do this, he has given every one of us authority, kingdom authority, spiritual authority to make that happen. Now, a few things I wanted to say um, about the authority that we need to know is that this authority is not our authority, it's Christ's authority. It's a delegated authority. And we need to understand that because that will shape and form how we use that authority. That will stop us from abusing the authority. You know, we must not abuse the authority that Christ has given us. We must be careful as to how we use it. And I think one of the greatest abuses or one of the greatest challenges that we face when we begin to walk in authority and see things happen is pride. You know, we start getting proud. We start getting getting pumped up, lifted up, begin to look down at other people. Sometimes we begin to look down at other Christians who we don't feel are walking in the same level of authority that we believe that we're walking in. But at all times, remember that the authority comes from Christ. Where you are, the things you do, the fact that you see things happen, the fact that you see people saved and added to the kingdom, the fact that you see miracles happen, healings happen, is only because of Christ. You know, we are seated in heavenly places, but let's not forget how we got there. You know, earlier on in Ephesians 2, Paul says, it's by grace that you've been saved. It's grace that saves us. It's grace that raises us up. It's grace that exalts us and puts us in that place of authority. Now let that be our anchor. Let's remember that, but for grace, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be in this place. So we need to remember that. And that should be a check to us that we should not abuse the authority that has been delegated to us by our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. It's not our authority. It is his authority. Another thing is that we don't grow into authority. 
You know, it's not, you don't, it's not like, yes, so I've been a Christian for five years, and now, yes, I'm in a place where I can, I have authority. No, authority is not something that you grow into. When you become a Christian, when you give your life to Christ, when you repent for your sins, you already have the authority. You know, there's no process, there's no, I don't know, uh, learning, schooling you have to go through before somebody now says, okay, Here's your certificate. Now you have the authority. Go and do what Christ has called you to do. No, from day one, you have the authority to go out and do the things that Christ has called you to do. Now, we can't grow into authority, but we can grow in authority. And I believe that authority grows as we grow in our knowledge of God. We know him more, we understand him more, understand his ways more. And I feel we feel more empowered and emboldened to act in the authority that he's given us. And I believe authority grows as we exercise it. If you never exercise your authority, you'll never know what you have. And you'll never grow in it. You'll never go on to do more and more and more of the things that God has called you to do. I believe authority grows as we submit to God in obedience. That's key. You know, when we do the things that God has called us to do, when we live the life that God has called us to live, I believe that then we see a growth in authority in our lives, a growth in that desire, that ability, that power to do the things that God has called us to do. And last thing there is that I believe authority grows as we face adversity. You know, when they were in Jerusalem, persecution came, adversity came. The devil, the enemy sought to kill, to suppress the church. But that didn't happen. They scattered. The kingdom increased. The authority grew. More and more lives were being changed. More and more lives were being transformed. You know, that is the power. That is what happens when we use the authority that Christ has given us. So authority, kingdom authority, is something that we all have. God has called all of us to use that authority for his will, his plan, and his purposes. Authority is key because when we act in authority, when we understand the authority we have and we act in the authority that we have, authority changes the story. You know, authority is what came into Samaria. I mean, I don't know what Samaria was like before Philip came in, but I know Samaria did not have great joy. If it did, Luke would not have recorded in verse 8 that, of Acts chapter 8 that so there was great joy in that city. You know, Philip came into Samaria and used the authority he had and he changed the story of that city. You know, he met the eunuch along the way, the Ethiopian official, and he changed the story of that man. You know, later on in in Ephesus, you know, Paul was writing to the Ephesians in our text. But later on in Ephesus, we see Paul going there, acting with authority and changing the story of Ephesus. The people there coming to recognize the authority of Christ that they took all their books and scrolls of magic and they burnt them because they recognized that a higher authority had been declared to them. So authority changes stories. Authority transforms people. And you know, God has empowered us to do this. In our text, it talks about the immeasurable greatness of his power, his mighty strength that is at work towards us who believe. So when we act in authority, we have the ability to change stories. And I believe that as his body, his church, you know, we need to move on from this place where we serve 
in church, in the body, which is wonderful and we need to do that. But we need to be serving as the church. You know, serving in church is great, but serving as the church is so much better. And we shouldn't allow anything to stop us or hold us back. Persecution didn't stop the early church from still being the church and changing things. And likewise, a pandemic, be it a global one, should not stop the church from acting in the authority of Christ and changing the stories of the people around us. The only hope that the world has is the church. And we are the church and we are the ones through the authority of Christ that can bring that hope to the many people out there who are looking for hope. So you have the authority to change the story. You have the authority to change the story of your family. You have the authority to change the story of your neighbor. You have the authority to change the story of your school, of your workplace, of your community, of your city, of your nation. You have the authority to change, to transform lives, and to make a difference in all of these areas. That authority is yours. You know, in this series, we're um, looking at this book, Scattered Servants by Alan Scott. And I just want to share, there's lots of wonderful stories in that book. If you can get the book, get hold of it. It's a wonderful book to read. I just want to share one of the stories from that book that kind of highlights someone acting in his authority. It says, Tom came to faith a few years ago. He encountered the kingdom as God healed his body on the streets. It was enough to recalibrate his heart. And at the age of 81, Tom believed. A year later, Tom applied for our Encounter School of Mission. When I heard he had applied, I was surprised. The course is specifically designed to create a climate of risk. Upon reflection, I realized that although it was a little late for a gap year, Tom was perfectly positioned to live a life of risk. At his age, there weren't many people who didn't know Tom in our town. He had already established a fine reputation. He had a lot to lose. Yet he embraced risks and stepped into learning again. He started the course in September with one goal, to lead someone to Jesus. In February 2014, God granted Tom the desire of his heart. Within a year, Tom led 24 people to Jesus and also had the privilege of joining Jesus in leading his 79-year-old brother to life. After he finished the course, Tom continued to risk the impossible. Here's one of his authority adventures. We went to the train station this morning. There was a woman standing outside having a cigarette. So we asked her if there was anything we could do to pray for her. She said she had too many troubles to mention, but would like prayer. After we prayed, I asked her what happened during the prayer. She said she experienced incredible peace and had never felt anything like it before. We then shared the kingdom of message of Jesus and she asked him into her life. Another girl was standing nearby, so we asked her if there was anything for which she needed prayer. She said she had a very sore stomach. Again, we prayed and the Holy Spirit came upon her in power and completely healed her. She said, I have no pain now at all. So we went next door to the market where we saw a woman using a Zimmer frame, a walker. As usual, we asked her if she needed prayer for anything. She said she was crippled with pain. So we prayed and God showed up and filled her. We shared the message of King Jesus with her and she asked him into her life. At 81, years of old, at 81 years old, we could have made Tom an usher in our services. But he was too busy ushering in the kingdom on the streets. 
Tom isn't just getting old. Tom is growing old. But Tom discovered his authority and in the process found his own story late in the journey. Everyone is sent and everyone has authority. You have authority. You know, you are an ambassador, a reconciler of all of creation. And your ministry is far much bigger than what you do or in some cases what you used to do a few months ago on a Sunday. You know, you have the authority to shape lives. You have the authority to change stories. And I believe the question that God is asking you and me this morning is this. When will you use your authority? Are you just going to leave it, let it lay dormant and never put it into use, put it into action? You know, God wants you to use that authority to change lives and to change people's stories. Now, you might be asking and saying that, but what about my story? You know, doesn't my story need to be sorted out before I go and sort other people out? Well, the fact of the matter is, is that if you are waiting for your story to be perfect, you're going to wait a long time and you're never going to do much. You know, when Jesus sent out the disciples, as we read in Matthew chapter 10, their stories were not perfect. They still went on to do so many things that would make Jesus kind of maybe... In, in exasperation, say, oh, you of little faith. But they still went out in authority. And I believe that the more and more we step out in authority, the more and more our own stories are going to begin to change as well. You know, as you begin to pray for people to be healed, then I believe that you're going to begin to experience healing in different areas of your life. When you reach out to people who are maybe, who lack peace and you bring in the peace of Christ and they give their lives to Christ and you begin to disciple them, I believe that you'll experience more and more of Christ's peace in your life. So can I encourage you this morning to take that step of authority this week? Maybe as you go to work, there's someone who's going to come and talk to you and say, you know what, with everything going on, I'm worried, I'm scared. And you have the opportunity to introduce Christ, the one who can truly bring peace, who takes away all fear into, from, into their lives. Maybe there's someone that's going to come and talk to you this week and maybe they've got an issue. Maybe there's a health challenge that they're facing and you can use that God-given authority and pray into it and bring healing there and change that story. You know, I feel that this is one of those messages that should encourage us and push us out there to make a difference. You know, we all have authority. It's not invested in just the elders or the leaders of the church. Every single person has authority. And I look forward to hearing your stories as you go out there and you walk in the authority given to you by our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you and we bless you for this morning, Lord. We thank you, Father, that we are your church, your people, Lord. A people that you have called and gathered, a people that you have given your authority to. And I pray this morning, Lord, that we're going to take these words away. We're going to get a deeper understanding of our authority. For those of us who, do, who never even knew that we had the authority, I pray that this will be the beginning of that journey of discovery to know what it is you have placed inside of us. But the one thing I want to ask this morning, Lord, is that no one is going to hear this message and continue to live life the same, Lord. I pray we're going to take those steps of faith, those steps of boldness and walk in authority, Lord. And as we do that, we're going to change stories in our families, stories in our streets, stories in our communities, in our cities, 
and in our nations. You know, your kingdom, Lord, is going to spread out everywhere where we, your people, where your church is, Lord. And in all of this, Father, I pray that you will get all the glory. So thank you, King of kings and Lord of lords. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.